Hi there, this is Ross Cunningham and welcome to the first episode of the Mountains Mend Minds podcast. As you may be aware, mountainsmendminds.com is a website that I run to promote the mental health benefits of hill walking. So this podcast is a new project linked to Mountains Mend Minds and for each episode I will interview an inspirational person who enjoys the hills and link it into the theme of a specific mountain so listeners can maybe be inspired to go up that summit themselves or if you've done it already you'll you'll be able to relive your experience by listening to others talk about theirs on this podcast. So on this week's show my guest is Donnie Campbell. Donnie, um, a former Royal Marine Commando, is one of Scotland's top running coaches and is the founder and owner of Get Active Running. He's one of the UK's best ultra runners and has represented Scotland internationally and won races all over the world. Um, And he is perhaps most widely known for completing all 282 Munros in the fastest time, which he did last year in just 31 days, 23 hours and 2 minutes, smashing the previous record by some 8 days. A truly, truly incredible achievement, so I look forward to speaking to Donnie. And for this week's podcast, the summit we're going to theme this episode on is the inaccessible pinnacle. Welcome to the podcast, Donny. Uh, how are things going? What have you been up to lately? Uh, thanks, thanks for having me on. Uh, what have been up to recently? Uh, just training and working, really. Um, yeah, been a bit more on the bike this summer, just for a bit of variation and also managing an injury, and just getting back into running. So yeah, just kind of training and working. Nothing exciting. Um, now obviously, we're going to talk about your record-breaking Munro round from last year, um, but we're going to start the podcast talking about a. A mountain, or more specifically, a Monroe summit called the Inaccessible Pinnacle. Um, for those unfamiliar with it, it's also known as the the Inpin. It's the second highest summit on the Sky Cullen Ridge after Scour Alistair, um, and it's the only Monroe that requires a a rock climb, which can be a bit intimidating uh, for hill walkers, kind of more used to getting to the top of a mountain using just their their feet. What's your um, memories, Donny, of, of doing the, the in-pin and obviously somebody as a native from that Isle of Skye, is it something that was um, something you did as, as a youngster? Uh, no, I never did the in-pin as a youngster. I only did it a few years ago um, before the Monroe round. Um, I used to, well, background was uh, growing up in Sky playing Shinty, so I wasn't really into the Coolins until into my late teens when I... Uh, Kind of after a game of shinny on a Sunday, I'd start going to the Coolins with a few other shinny players just for kind of clear the heads after a few beers on the Saturday night. And then, yeah, that just progressed into becoming part of the Sky Mountain Rescue Team for a while. While I was at uni, I'd, when I was in Sky in the summer, I'd be on the team call-out list. So, yeah, um, that's kind of how I got into kind of um, mountaineering. So, basically, before I'd done any Monroe's, well, before my first Monroe's, should I say, were the Coolins. So, you know, I've always kind of compared stuff to the Monroe's. So obviously, I remember doing Anahiga years ago, but I remember hearing about, you know, Anahiga, how technical it was, everything else. And that I went and did it and went, oh, is that it? It wasn't as bad as the Coolins. <laughs> so that's how I can compare it to. And I remember doing Tower Ridge, which is another grade three scramble on the north face of 
very nervous and I did it by myself and I was like I thought it was going to be quite technical well it is quite technical but I was kind of building up to be quite a big thing and then I got there and I did it took a wee bit of nav turn wrong way halfway up but yeah I was kind of exposed but I was like oh that wasn't as bad as the coolants <laughs> so kind of my comparison is everything is compared to the coolants I've done it twice now so I've done the impin twice um yeah, I'd probably do it more often, but you queue in the summer on nice days. So basically then Pen or Scourgeric pretty much keeps all the guides in business in Sky because basically they'll do it every other day because uh, that's basically what hill walkers will pay for because it's one of the few Monroe's, you know, that you can't do just walking. You need a rope or some mountaineering rock climbing experience. So obviously you can do it without a rope, but, you know, that require rock climbing experience and good uh, head for heights um, on that. So, yeah, um, I would probably done it more often, but like it's, you know, in the busy day in the summer, you could be queuing for four or five hours to get onto the pin with just guiding groups going up and taking people that are not experienced or they're a bit slower going up. So, yeah, it can kind of be a bottleneck if you want to do, you know, a bigger day uh, on that. And with with the pin, do you think obviously you've talked about some other um, technically kind of challenging um, Munros that, that that you've done? But how, do you think it kind of lives up to its reputation, then pin? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it's by far the most technical Munro top. Obviously, you can take more technical lines up a Munro than the end pin that are graded higher rock climbing grades. But you know, there's always the easiest option on thin pen is a rock climbing grade. So that kind of gives it its perspective. Whereas every other Monroe in Scotland, you can get to thin pen without having to go up a rock climbing grade. So that kind of gives it, you know, that's why it's called the inaccessible pinnacle because there's no easy route up it um, on that. So yeah, yeah, quite a funny story. Like the first time I went to do thin pen, I, I went to go up with my wife, Rachel, and got to the bottom of thin pen and started kind of scrambling up. Uh, I'd packed a rope to abseil off, but I was like halfway up and I was like, something doesn't fit, seem right. Something doesn't fit right. And then it just dawned on me. I'd packed, I'd only packed, I think it was a 30 metre rope and it's like a 25 metre abseil. So the math wasn't really working out. So, <laughs> so we decided to um, down climb how far we'd came up before we got to the, well, the crux bit of the pen, which is kind of the most exposed where you step out and then up onto it. So yeah, I was kind of one of these ones. It's like, yeah, just well, I, re- I realized before I had set up the uh, abseil. <laughs> the the Cooling Ridge on Sky, why why is it so special to you? Uh, it's home. Uh, it's where I grew up. Um, I like that type of running, kind of scrambling. Um, you know, it's iconic. Uh, it's the first Monroe's I've ever done. Um, yeah, there's so many reasons. Like, you know, it's nothing. The Coolin Ridge is not comparable to any other Monroe in Scotland, really. It's just it's just a unique environment where it's like really rocky, uh, really abrasive rocks. So you get Gabro, it's called Gabro in the Coolins, and I mean it, it wears kit out so quick, it's just really grippy, really abrasive. But then you also get limestone running through the Gabro that can be really slippy in the wet, and that's some of the reasons why you get quite a few accidents in the in the coolings is people are climbing on the gabbro and then they step onto the limestone that's completely just slippy. But yeah, there's so many reasons why I like the coolings. Um, but yeah, um, and I guess like the in terms of like the views, what, like what you can see from 
from the cooling for people that haven't done it before? What? How would you describe the the views to, to people like that? Um. So basically, obviously, the cooling's are on Sky. It's an island. So basically, you you're starting from sea level wherever you start to do the cooling. So like obviously, you know, Ben Lawyers, you start from three, four hundred meters up, Cairngorms, Glencoe, you know, you're starting from height on a lot of them in rows. But in the cooling, you have to start at sea level because you're on an island. Um, and yeah, that gives you spectacular views because it's the highest thing on sky, especially the Skrallis have been the highest point in sky, but it's the highest point by quite a distance. And then on a nice day, you know, you can get uh, views out to the small isles. So Rum, which has got Coolins also, the Coolins of Rum, which is on my hit list to do. I've never been in there. Might be quite spectacular. You get nice views of them um, and gear. Um, yeah, so you got Rum, a few of the other small islands. Uh, sorry, but you can also see out to the Hebrides. And then also you can see back across the Torridon over to Raze, which is, yeah, it just gives you a nice panoramic. Also, you can see down to like Noidart. And, and the westerly mainland Monroe. So yeah, it's a great, it gives spectacular views. And also one of the things about the Coolins, you know, Sky is also called El Nahyol, which is also the misty isle. So, you know, you'll, on some days you'll have the mist coming out in and out of the Coolins, you know, you could be above a clouded version. So yeah, it lives up to its reputation of being spectacular. And I guess like when you were talking about that there, it was kind of made me think that there's a lot of times when I've been to some amazing places in Scotland, um, including Sky, um, really sometimes being at the top of a mountain is the best way to appreciate the place that you're in. Would you agree with that? Yeah, so, yeah, you can be standing on an iconic mountain and it gives you great views, but also you could be standing on a different mountain and have a great view of an iconic mountain. So obviously the view of Brucoletta Moor, which is probably the most pictured Monroe in Scotland, you know, you don't get that view standing on top of it. You get that view at the side of it mm. um, on that. So it's six and, uh, yeah, for me, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you can look at an iconic mountain and climb it, which is great because it's an iconic, but sometimes it doesn't give you the best views. So the best views, for example, um, of then pin are not from the top of then pin. You know, they're, they're probably more from... Uh, Skiralister or further further round as you approach it, you know, you get that iconic uh, view of the pin. So yeah, it varies. And obviously talking about obviously the, the Coolin Ridge would have featured in your um incredible um Monroe round from last year, record breaking attempt that, that included in the intro to this this podcast. Um what what was it like to to run, to, to do that, but also how did the, the Coolins run and the Coolins compare? Um, to the other mountains that you took part in on on that round, uh, the cool the day I did the Cooling Ridge uh, was by far the best day of the Monroe round, apart from finishing. Obviously, because you're finishing, a um, couple of reasons being it's just I had quite a long couple of days previously, and I kind of built up when I got to Sky. I knew I'd get to Ben Hope, which is the Monroe I was finishing. So basically, by that point, I was working up the west coast, working on my way up north. So. Yeah, I kind of, in the planning, I kind of, like, if I get this guy, I'll get to Ben Hope, and that was kind of the thing. And then also, uh, on Sky, I, had, I was joined by two friends, John Smith, who is a guide up there, and uh, Jordan, another good friend. And, you know, having company, because I hadn't had any company since, when was the last time I had company in the Monroe round? Would have been probably the Central Belts around about... Um, Araka Alps that way. So I'd been been like a good 
you know, at least a week of that doing all of my notes by myself. So it was actually a good change to have some company, some some people to speak to, and people that I knew really well. And then also having a guide. So obviously every day when I was doing the Monroe round, you know, when I was by myself or with someone who didn't know the area as well as me, then I was one of navigating and, you know, being having to switch on, make sure I was hitting every Monroe top, you know, making sure I'm taking the best lines. But when you're with a guide who knows the cool and spirit of the new, uh, then it was kind of more of a day of switch off, just chat with friends and just cover the distance, tick off the Monroe. So, yeah. It was a great day from that point of view. I could just relax a bit more and I could enjoy the views, enjoy the, the terrain. And yeah, thankfully I got sky on a nice day, which is very rare. It was uh, cloud-free tops for most of the day. And yeah, it was nice and cool. It wasn't too hot, it wasn't too cold. So yeah, it was a great uh, day for doing the Ridge Traverse. And I mean, why did you take on the challenge of wanting to be the, the person with uh, to, to hold the record for the, the fastest Monroe round? And then what was that feeling like, as you said there, when, when you got to the, the top of Ben Hope that you'd, that you'd done it? Uh, well, it's probably due to laziness for why I end up doing the Monroe round and currently hold the record. So basically, as I say, I like technical Monroe's kind of like keep my feet dry and nice rocky. So I'm, I'm very biased and I'll say the west coast of Scotland is my kind of favourite Monroe area or place to go. Um, so I was lacking motivation to do like the more eastern boggy ones, the very remote ones. Um, but I've always wanted to climb all the Monroe's because I'm from Scotland. I, I like the Monroe's, but I, I lack the motivation to go and do the boggy ones. And then I was like, well, I'll do them all in one go. I'll just do a Monroe round, which would be pretty cool just to take them off, make sure you get them all. Um, and then being an athlete, the competitive nature kicked in. It's like, cool. So look at who's done the Monroe rounds, you know, obviously all the way back to Hamish Ross, working the way all the way through um, and seeing how it was trending. So obviously, you know, people start by walking and running in between them. And then the last few attempts that had been where they'd cycled and kayaked or swim in between. So Charlie Campbell, uh, well, not the previous, but the previous, previous record holder had uh, cycled and swam and then, Stephen Pikes, the previous record holder, uh, he had swam in kayaks. Obviously, you got uh, Monroe on Nyla Mull. Um, so that was kind of where the swimming and kayaking came into it. Um, so, yeah, that's how it kind of came about. Uh, been on my mind. Well, been something I wanted to do for quite a few years. And it wasn't until 2019 that I decided that, okay, I was going to train specifically for that in 2020. Uh, so that's kind of how the plan came about. How it felt to finish on Ben Hope. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of sad and happy at the time. So obviously the elation of completing what you said to go and do, I'd broken the record, I'd done it in like 31 days and 23 hours. So yeah, that was great. Um, but also like, there was kind of like a bit of like sadness that actually that adventure was over. And, you know, it'd been a big part of my life for like over 12 months, all the planning, all the time and spent into it, you know, obviously 31 days of Monroe bagging, kind of enjoying that lifestyle. All I had to think about was just basically get up, run Monroe's all day, eat, sleep, and then repeat. Um, so yeah, it was a great way to spend the summer, but yeah, it was kind of like that was it over. So yeah, I was happy to have completed it, but also kind of a bit sad that that adventure had finished. When you talk about that, obviously the adventure finishing and, and how, how much you were enjoying being that is that something that you think a lot of people get including yourself even just like from like a day out on on the mountains is there is there kind of mental health benefits that, that you can you can see from from getting out in the hills yeah totally like um you know physical physical activity whether it be 
Monroe bagging, walking on lower levels, or just going for walks, or going for runs, you know, anything that gets your heart rate up kind of is good for physical activity. So it's good for your health, you know, physiology, and then also, you know, it, it sends the uh, endorphins around, which can make you feel better. But yeah, you know, going climbing Monroe was kind of a unique challenge, whether it be something like Ben Nevis, which is is a big Monroe, but it's fairly straightforward because it's the main path for Ben Lohman, you know. Um, there's a bit of responsibility, a bit of planning, and, you know, it gives you that sense of accomplishment. You know, you're standing on a high point. You know, you've, you've climbed that under your own steam, so you have that sense of accomplishment, you know. It's a way of clearing your head and giving you perspective. You know, when you're looking out off the top of the Monroe, you know, you feel quite small uh, compared to, you know, and when I'm running up hills or, you know, doing Monroes and stuff like big days like that, you know, you kind of switch off from daily stresses of, you know, everything else that's going on in life and it's quite good to disconnect as you were kind of saying there obviously you said uh, being Scottish you've always wanted to, to do the Munros what, what do you think the appeal is for for people to go whether they complete all the Munros even just do um, do one Munro what, what do you think the appeal is and what, what do you think people get out of it I think it varies from individual I think it's very individual you know so what I get out of running up a Munro to someone else getting up as you know, it's a personal kind of experience. I, I wouldn't be able to comment on that. You know, I could comment on what I feel like I get out of it and how I feel, but you know, I know speaking to other people, they get something else out of it, get something different out, you know. Um, so it's very individualized in that kind of question. You know, for me, I kind of just enjoy being out in nature. Um, yeah, and a good way of keeping fit as well. And going through your the the, the record breaking one round from last year, um, in previous interviews that I've, that I've read that you've done, obviously you, you highlighted that I think it was kind of around about the, kind of the midpoint, um, where you kind of kind of hit, hit a wall mentally um, due to kind of various, various things. Just to kind of what kind of take me through that. Cool. So yeah, obviously you're referring to day seventeen. So basically, I knew coming into the mineral round, like because it's so long, I've done kind of challenges. Similar, but not as long, not as challenging. That obviously in the middle is always the hardest bit mentally because you're so far away from the start and so far away to the finish. So, you know, I knew that mid portion is where you, where it kind of really gets mentally tough because novelty, novelty of, you know, just starting, you're fresh, you know, you're feeling good, it's fine for the first few days or the first week. And then you get to the middle section and basically, you know, you're, you're kind of in the grind, you know, it's like, you're so far to the finish and you're so far from the start and you're just feeling completely worn down and you know leading into day 17 I was in, like even the Monroe round on the outside looked like it was going well which it was you know I was up on my, I was up on the previous record by a few days um you know I was taking off Monroe's I was sticking to my schedule mentally I was starting to struggle like I was kind of in negative space because I was like you know, I was always kind of thinking, oh, I should be doing this quicker. You know, it's taking me ages to get to this one. No, I'm not going as fast as I was two or three days ago. Uh, and everything seemed to take a bit longer. So obviously, you know, I was getting back to the van, which was supporting me later each night, which then was meaning I was getting less sleep. And I was just kind of on a downward spiral. And then also I'd been managing an injury from like day seven. So like my right ankle had flared up and it was like tendinopathy in my right ankle. And we managed that, and I just managed to get that settled down. And then day 17, like, it's a big day. I started in Ben Crook and on the Oban Road, and I was traversing all the way over to Glencoe um, and coming off and finishing on, finishing at the Glencoe Ski Resort. And, like, first day, 
Ben Crook, it was a really nice morning, nice sunrise, heading back over towards Glencoe. And, you know, what kind of sent me over the edge was by halfway through the day, like my left ankle started going, getting sore. And it wasn't like the right, which took two or three days to come on. It came on within one or two hours. And by the end of the day, like it was absolute agony. And like I came over the second last Monroe, which, um, uh, what's the name of it again? I'll get it here. Um, Stop Gore, uh, looking down Stop Gore to um, Stop Coriora, um, and not done them in rows in summer. And I was expecting just a small drop down and then up. And it was quite a big drop over rocky terrain. And I was like, I was just everything snowballed. And, you know, best thing for that kind of thing where you kind of negative spaces, just getting off your chest. And the reason why I ended up in film was because I was filming for the adventure show. Uh, kind of self-filming a fair bit of it. And I remember the cameraman at the start saying, when you don't want to get the camera out, when you don't want to do anything and you're in a really bad place, that's when you should get the camera out because that makes the best TV. And that's all I had on the tip of my shoulder was just get your phone out and record how you're feeling at that precise time. And I, that's what I did. And that's why I ended up on TV. You know, I, I was descending, stop gore and agony, just not enjoying it. Uh, basically saying, what's the point of climbing roads? Which there's zero point in climbing roads, really, in the grand scheme of things, you know. Um, and then I got back to the support vehicle at the Glencoe Ski Resort, and I was like that to my wife, who was supporting me. I was like, I could just go home tonight, you know, I've had enough. There's no enjoyment in it anymore, etc., uh, etc. Et but it wasn't serious, like, because obviously, in theory, I could have probably spent two or three days in the van at the Glencoe Ski Resort having rest days and still gone on and broke the record. I would think I was about two or three days up by that point. So, you know, why would I go home? I could have just sat out and let the ankles rest for a couple of days. It was just more, I was just sharing how I was feeling. And then again, the next day, like people asked, how did you get the van the next day? Well, you know, things didn't actually get better. You know, I was still, my ankles were still really sore. Um, and I was still really tired, but, you know, kind of, it was routine, so basically the alarm clock would go off at like five every morning. I'd be at the door running by six, and you know, it's that kind of routine. And then also kind of refocusing. So obviously, kind of one of my mantras was is like one one row at a time, one day at a time. And then like going through the centre belt, all I could think about was how many more days I had to go, rather than just thinking, okay, in the next one row and the next thing. So kind of refocused on day eighteen. It's like, okay, I'm going to do one one row at a time, one day at a time. I'm going to try and block out what I know is coming up as big days as best I can and just work on one one row at a time and that's kind of how I got through it and then by the time I got to Sky I was kind of feeling like I could see the the, the finish line of Ben Hope mind you it's quite a few days away but I could still kind of see I was getting closer For someone listening to this with the lesson to be from that I guess from your experience of that when you had that, that low point that what got you through it was to try to break down the challenge rather than thinking about the whole challenge at once you just sort of just try to focus kind of one step at a time or, or one mountain at a time as you, as you said there Yeah just break it down into smaller manageable chunks so you know if that was someone climbing their first Monroe you know break it down into you know you know quarters so obviously when I get to this point in the hill I'll take a break and then when I get to the next point rather than thinking I've got a thousand meters or 600 meters or 900 meters of climbing you know breaking things down into more manageable sizes for your brain to process is one of the sports psychology tricks you know it's that kind of thing um which will help kind of manage it you know and accepting as well, so accepting it's hard, accepting you're in pain, you know, 
but you know, kind of just kind of working away at it, you know, things aren't going to be easy. You know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So, you know. We're talking about um, some lows on the hills, hills there trying to get through that sort of challenge, but there was a time when you had to, um, you had to go back up a mountain. You had to, you had to do a mountain twice to, to, to reach the summit of it, Morosk. Yeah, Morosk. Uh, so basically that was very, very near the end. And I was, um, I was joined by the previous record, Stephen Bikes. So basically I'd already done one, two, I think I'd already done three or four Monroes that morning. And I had that Monroe to do. And then Sean Venn at uh, Achnashin. And yeah, Mursk is just beside the road. It's straight up. But it's got a very indistinctive top. I've never done it before. Um, and I was basically chatting to uh, Spike's previous record all the way up, you know, just kind of chatting about his experience and sharing my experience that first time I met him. We got to this really big cairn. It was kind of in the cloud, but really massive clearing about waist height. And because I knew he had done it before, because obviously he'd done Monroe round, and he was in front of me because obviously he had fresher legs. That's my excuse anyway. Um, I presume that was the top. Um, so basically I didn't check my nav, didn't check my watch. And it's kind of like that kind of thing. I started switching off because I thought I was getting close to the end. And then halfway down, I, my wife messaged me saying, you haven't gone to the top. I was like, what do you mean I haven't gone to the top? You know, massive big care and there wasn't anything else about it. It was just a plateau. You know, the path kind of seemed to have stopped at the cairn. And I was like, oh. So I checked Murr's cairn, and that's the cairn that came up. So I got back down to the car and did a bit more research. And uh, a friend who had ran me in the morning, uh, Graham Morrison, had a Monroe book in the car. So we got that out. And basically we found out that the actual true summit was like maybe 200, 300 metres to the west of that cairn. So basically I had to go back up and do it again. And the summit cairn is literally about three or four rocks piled together. So... Yeah, it's good not for anyone that's doing Maersk that actually the big cairn isn't the actual top, it's further along on the plateau. <laughs> Last question would just would just be if you can uh, describe your best day on the hills. What's what's your, your favourite memory? It could be obviously from your round last year, but is there one that sticks in your head as your, your favourite memory on the hills? Probably sky. Uh, from the Monroe round, it was a nice day, blue sky. It was the only day I kind of felt like it wasn't part of the challenge. I wasn't looking at my watch too much because I, I know how long it takes me to do the ridge uh, and I knew I was moving at pace that normally took me to do the ridge. I didn't have to worry about, you know, what time am I going to get in and how long it's going to be to the next one. I kind of knew that. And I was with two friends. So, yeah, we were just chatting, you know, catching up, just telling stories, just joking about, having a laugh, you know. That was it. So yeah, pretty much a typical good day out is out, out, out on some hills with some friends in some nice weather. On the cooling. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for your time, Donnie. Really inspiring. Um, great to hear your, your story from last year. Um, congratulations again on, on an amazing achievement. Um, and yeah, thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on. All the best. <laughs>